we don't make decisions based off of logic. That's not human. <laughs> we do it on emotion and what feels good and what sounds good. It's it's all emotion based. And, and not to say there can't be some logic in some reasoning, but logic is not the number one reason why people make decisions. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George, along with Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management. Today we're talking about overconfidence, pride. Ryan, I would imagine this is a topic that you can kind of connect with because athletes, man, athletes, if they get a little too overconfident, you can be humbled pretty quickly, and it's the same thing with your finances. Yeah, that's exactly the the analogy in my head I was thinking of is is the mental part of, of sports and how it can translate over into the, to the financial world, especially me being a, a baseball and, and softball guy with, with my daughter now playing, but it's that the higher you get, the more, the higher it goes on your body, if you will. Uh, the talents, talents a dime a dozen, but it it becomes shoulder up. Like what what, what do we do with the with the head? <laughs> right. Is what separates a lot of people. And same thing can can be said for uh, finances as well and people's money. Yeah. So we're gonna we gotta highlight a few different areas uh, where people get a little too overconfident and why it can ruin your finances if you're not careful with it and. And that's why you lean on a uh, financial coach like Ryan that, to help you through these things and, and, and to keep you in check, too, along the way to, and to give you a second opinion on things. So we're going to highlight these, hopefully bring them to your attention. Maybe if you find yourself a little overconfident in these areas, maybe you pull back a little bit and kind of reevaluate things. So that is the goal for today. We've got a, a mailbag question as well. But I want to kind of start things off, Ryan. I was thinking about something the other day, and you know, we talk about about money and budgets and, and, and kind of making sure you, you stay within that that budget you've set for yourself. But what do you think something that's worth spending more money on to get the best quality? What are you willing to pay up for? There's uh, there's a few things that I probably would, but I, I've always <laughs> I've always been a shoe guy. Okay. <laughs> and I've never never like cut corners on on that. I just think I'll 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 spend some money on shoes and not even think about it. Now I'm a, you know, I watch what I spend. I do, but things that I really want, I don't mind spending for the quality. And it goes back to what one of my high school jobs was working at a sports shoe. Uh, and I think that was actually the name of it, the sports shoe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously they're not in business original. anymore. <laughs> I know. Right. But I mean, just like a lot of people at that age, you, you do the job to get, like 50% off his shoes or it was, it was some crazy discount. And I mean, I had a, a new pair of shoes like every couple of weeks I get nice. paid and I'll be like, Ooh, I get these off 50% off, but which is so stupid. But, and then you had these, uh, each vendor, whether it was Nike, Reebok, Adidas, they, they would have these, um, flyers that would come into our store. And it's basically, they want those people who sell in shoes to wear their shoes. So it was even more, I mean, it was like 80% off. And so I would just go nuts with that stuff. Um, basically burning my paycheck on, on <laughs> shoes. But ever since then, and my dad, and I think it goes back to my dad. Uh, my dad grew up very poor, very poor in South Georgia and never had good shoes. He used to talk about that. So when I was growing up playing basketball or uh, baseball or football, I always had the 
best shoes. And I think that's where it originated from. Like he did not blink, think twice about spending money on, on shoes for me. And I think that just kind of was ingrained in me and it's kind of carried forward all the way through. And same thing with my kids. I'm not going to just buy them cheap shoes just to put them on their feet, even though they'll grow out of them in, in three weeks. But hmm. shoes is what I'll, uh, I'll spend some money on. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, the, the shoe sports shoe reminds me, there's a store in Tuscaloosa called the pants store. It's, it's like, and actually it does really well, which is surprising, but such a generic name. That's what it brought to my mind, but that's hey, interesting. Keep it yeah. simple, right? Keep it simple. Sometimes that's, that's the key is keep it, keep it as simple as possible. Well, that's cool to know. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And, and, um, and I'm sure we all kind of have our, the things that we really will spend the money on, even though maybe we shouldn't always, but shoes, man, you wear shoes all the time, right? So that's you right. Be comfortable. That's where I, yeah, what, what you're going to be using the most is whether it's a mattress or shoe. I mean, mm-hmm. just think about what you use more often and that's what you should spend money on. There you go. Well, look, if you haven't joined us before, we appreciate you being here on the podcast. We put this show up along with all of our others at blackoakam.com. If you want to call Ryan to discuss what we talk about today or anything on your mind in terms of financial and retirement planning, you can always do so at 470-508-0508. But again, you can just hop online at blackoakam.com and schedule your retirement coach 360 session online there. So today we're talking overconfidence. You know, the pride comes before the fall, right? So how can overconfidence lead to financial ruin for you? And there's a few different places this kind of manifests itself. And I want to I want to kind of get your thoughts on these and, and and why people fall in these traps, so to speak. And the first one's the stock market. You know, we've had a, a great decade. I mean, even with the pandemic, we we took that huge hit in March, but I mean, by the summer, everything was back on the up, and we're kind of still riding that wave. But I think when you get to this point, Ryan, it's very easy to get overconfident in, in, in both your your ability to pick stocks and manage your mm-hmm. portfolio. And, and oftentimes, I'm guessing you probably take on more risk than you need to because of that. Yeah, that's that's true because we have been on a, a good run for a while. I do believe so long term. I I do one hundred percent believe in the stock market. Obviously, I believe in diversifying it. All the you know generic buzzwords that you hear people in my industry say a lot, but I also don't believe in uh, chasing returns at the same time. So you kind of hit the nail on the head just a minute ago about maybe taking on too much risk or maybe you feel like you're quote unquote behind uh, savings. And so you take on more risk than you're comfortable with. Well, sometimes that comes into single stock investing. Now, again, not completely against it. Uh, I, I do think there are some pros and cons, just like even with ETFs and mutual funds, there's pros and cons to that as well. But a lot of times people want to chase returns, especially on individual stocks. Um, and, and it's usually the latest and greatest. What's this? Obviously, crypto is is one of the biggest questions I get constantly. Uh, right. I don't I don't mess with it. I don't fool with it. I, I still can't really tell you how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know you own nothing. Um, I've read <laughs> enough articles that you really don't own anything. You're just hoping the next person pays more than you is essentially it. And that's about as much as my understanding when it comes to that stuff. But overconfidence in the stock market, yes, some people... It needs to be somewhat age appropriate, but mainly just risk tolerance appropriate that you're not just, oh, I'm going to put it in uh, one stock and let it ride and I'm going to be okay. Uh, But at the same time, the second part of that point is the ability to manage your portfolio. Some people 100% can do it. 
Uh, there's a lot of people that can't, not from an ability standpoint. That's why I put that word coach in, in front of my name is, is for that very reason. That's where we earn our keep or our money, not that our funds are better than somebody else's funds. That, that proprietary stuff's out the window. Um, that, that's no longer the case. So if you're picking an advisor just to pick an advisor that's going to beat the market year in and year out, you're, you're, you're crazy. Just do it on your own. That's not going to happen. So the ability to manage your portfolio, people can, but a lot of times, and even Vanguard, who's the do-it-yourselfer king, they even have studies that show that a, a, an advisor could potentially add 3 to 5% rate of return each year, and huh. it has nothing to do with stock picking right. at all. It's the coaching aspect because we're so money is so emotional. It's fear based. I mean, look at the as of the recording of the show, this whole debt ceiling thing has been in the news constantly. And one day, oh gosh, the debt ceiling, you know, we're we're about to have a government shutdown, the the stock market plummets, and then the next day, oh, we've extended the deadline and it shoots straight up. That that yeah. is one hundred percent emotions right there. So just kind of weeding through that and coaching people up is is sometimes where we earn our keep and uh, prevent that overconfidence uh, maybe in the ability to time the market themselves. Yeah, that's a it's a great starting point, and it's one that we can all fall try, fall into that trap because that you know when you, when things are going well, man, you feel like you feel invincible. I mean, you really do with your your stocks, and uh, you can be humble really quickly. All right. These, these next few kind of fall in the same um, under the same umbrella a little bit. But you know, there's a lot of kind of general generalities that people will follow in financial planning. And, you know, a lot of times people get overconfident in the amount of money they're going to need. Right. They whether or not they hear it from a friend or just read it. Hey, I just need to get a certain amount. Like if I can get it to a million dollars, I'm set. I can retire, walk away and have nothing to worry about. But having too much confidence in a specific number that you don't have a plan that points you in that direction can be a problem. Absolutely. You know, what's your number? It used to be a, a commercial that was out and I can't remember who it was, Voya, ING or something like that. But, you know, putting that uh, an exact dollar amount on a nest egg and, and feeling like, okay, boom, like you said, I got seven figures. I'm a millionaire now. Well, sometimes that million bucks can go can go pretty quick when you actually look at how much income that could potentially generate, especially with the low low interest rate environment that we are in safe money uh, just doesn't uh, just doesn't yield a whole lot for income purposes that's another reason why people start chasing returns they see the 10-year treasury at one and a half percent you know very very safe like fixed annuities are, are paying two and a half maybe three percent for your money to be locked up for five years so mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of places to park your money that doesn't really register real high on the risk scale so Sometimes that million dollars, uh, thinking we get to this, you know, mythical number. Well, uh, that's not always the case. And sometimes it's less than that, especially it's, it's about income. We said, I've said that on the show before, it's not about your nest egg. It's about your income when you get to retirement and, and lifestyle. Like if you don't have debt and you're not having extravagant lifestyle where you got to take a trip every single month. It may not be a million bucks that you need when you start combining any small pensions or large pensions that you may have, Social Security, and then you start tacking on any uh, discretional income that you need from your investments, you may not even need a million dollars. So having that one specific number sometimes is is a misleading target. Yeah, that's a good point. It goes both ways. You might not need that. You might need a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why you need to figure that out. 
Uh, next one is again kind of as I mentioned, we we have these kind of guided lines that we we like to follow in financial planning. Oftentimes, if we're not working with someone, and you know, there's a lot of rules rules of thumb that are out there that you kind of feel, hey, if I just follow these, I'll be good to go, and and you get too much confidence in that. You know, one example is just you know the withdrawal rate of four percent every year, right? That's that's one you hear a lot. If I just withdraw four percent of my savings, I'll be good to go throughout retirement. But how can this get you get you in trouble if you're kind of following these rules of thumb too closely? Yeah, the 4% uh, withdrawal rate or the 4% rule, a lot of people argue that is uh, stale research, if you will, uh, that came out a while ago when, you know, bonds are, are paying 6, 7, 8% and like, okay, I can just withdraw four and not tap into my principal and maybe still have some growth. I mean, that's the rationale behind that still the same. But there's a lot of industry gurus, if you will, people who research this stuff that are far smarter than I am. And they publish articles and I read them. Uh, and then I just kind of verbally plagiarize what they say. But that's where kind of the, the educational part comes in. And there's a lot of people in the industry that say that number needs to be closer to 3%, if not even lower than that. Maybe like a, I saw one research article say 2.8%. Of your nest egg, and that's that means going back to that previous point, that one million dollars, you know, that's not going to go very far. That's taking out thirty grand a year. Uh, that's not very much income. Yeah. When you look at just what's coming out of the nest egg, so the four percent withdrawal rate, having a little more, having a little overconfidence in that, that can be, that can be detrimental because there's going to be, there's going to be corrections in the market. So if, it, if the market loses fifteen percent and you're still taking out four, well, you basically lost nineteen percent. So there's, you still need income despite what the market's doing. And if you are going back to our original point, taking on too much risk, then that, uh, those downturns can be much more painful to those. So just having a hard, fast rule of 4%, I always tell my clients, like, be flexible. So when we do have a downturn, and that happened last year, I did have a few uh, clients who were like, hey, I'm not traveling as much. I'm not doing as much. I don't need X number of dollars per month. Let's, let's bump it down to... Why? And then when they did that, they just kind of got used to that new income. And really, many of them haven't really readjusted that uh, income flow. So, yeah, just, just kind of sticking with the 4% uh, withdrawal rate is not necessarily true anymore. Yeah, something to think about. And there's other, I'm sure, other um, rules of thumb you can think about, whoever's listening. And, and, and just just know that those are more kind of guardrails, right? And, and something to kind of follow to kind of make sure you're on track. But they're never going to be exact for you necessarily. Exactly. Another one just jumps into mind, the rule of 72. I mean, yeah. you hear this rule of 72. Okay, well, yeah, the math is is great on that. If you earn 9% every single year, the rule of 72 says 72 divided by 9 equals 8. So every eight years, your money should double. Okay, that's great. But <laughs> we know that it doesn't get 9% every single year. It may average that, but there's going to be years where it's a lot less and some a lot more and some even negative. So it takes a lot to, to recoup those losses. Yeah, that definitely does. All right. Um, here's another one that maybe people don't think about, but the overconfidence in your own understanding of how certain products work. And I'm assuming uh, this, in this case, Ryan, this is something where you, you might think you're doing what's best or you think you might be maximizing whatever investment option you're using, but oftentimes you don't know everything about it without a little help. Yes, and, and that is so true because every single strategy or in this case product, if you will, it, it everything has a pro pros and cons to it. So unpacking that, again, going back to that coaching aspect, 
of, of an advisor is to educate people on what they are going into, whether it's an individual stock, an ETF, a mutual fund, an annuity, life insurance, non-traded REITs. I mean, there's so many different things out there that they, they need to know what those features are inside of each strategy. So just, and a lot of times you hear people on TV and sometimes I'll, I'll wake up early and I see like an annuity salesperson or something like that. And I mean, it sounds like a no brainer, an absolute no brainer on the surface. And you're like, okay, well let's, let's unpack this. And it may be the right thing for that individual, but you start unpacking it and go, Oh gosh, this thing's locked up for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years without surrender penalties. And you know, there's just so many things you got to look at uh, in the weeds, if you will. So certain products on, on the surface may function a certain way, but you need to know the the adverse effects or the downsides of those things before you get into anything, especially if it's locked up. Yeah, no question. All right, one more that one more area where people get a little too confident in uh, their abilities, and that's your decision making process. Yeah, you know, I think you might hear people talk about how logical they are and, and how kind of buttoned up they are, and they make sound decisions. But where can you get in trouble, Ryan, if you're feeling too confident in your own decision making? Yeah, behavior finance uh, research shows that people aren't logical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that includes me. That includes everybody. Yeah. Uh, that's, we don't make decisions based off of logic. That's not human. <laughs> we do it on emotion and what feels good and what sounds good. It's, it's all emotion based and, and not to say there can't be some logic in some reasoning, but logic is not the number one reason why people make decisions. So it's got to be a decision-making process. Again, that's where I really do think advisors, myself and other advisors included, that's where they, uh, the rubber meets the road and that's where they earn their keep is that decision-making process because a lot of people just need to have a sounding board of what they're thinking and they need help with these things. And I had a, I had a, a couple in here the other day and the guy is extremely smart, very like could easily do this stuff on his own, but he's self-aware enough to know he's like, you know what? I don't, I, I know this stuff inside and out, but I'll make emotional decisions and then regret them. And he's like, I need someone else to, to do this. You know, I want to be stayed in, in tune with what's going on. And, and so that, Hey, I got no problem with that, but that's, that's awesome that they were self-aware enough to know, like, I need to pass this on to somebody else. So the decision-making process, if it's just you, it's, it can be tough because we're not logical uh, people. Nope, that is true for every single one of us. And listen, we're all going to be in a position probably where we might be a little overconfident, right? That we're going to, we all could fall into these uh, these spots from time to time. But it's it's important to be aware of them and to know that uh, you know a little a little humbleness goes a long way, right? Uh, Absolutely, be, be sure about that. So yeah, humble and, humble pie is a good thing. I used to always <laughs> tell my players like, you can't get too high, you can't get too low uh, on. And where you're at, same thing with with finances as well, because it, it it will it will humble you in a heartbeat. You think you got it figured out, and then you don't. What what role do you think you play too in this, Ryan, as a financial coach? Would you say that you help keep people in check? Is that is that fair to say, like to keep them from getting too confident? Yes, I, I do. And in the same regard, and I think back to last year during COVID. I mean providing as much education as you can stay in front of people constantly communication. That's that coaching. That's that peace of mind that, Hey, this, this feels weird. This feels like this is a never before happened. 
it has. It's just a different headline. It's just a different virus, whatever it may be. But that's where that's where we earn our money is when the market is is tanking and, and not doing well. And what direction do we go in? I mean, there's even some uncertainty going on right now. I mean, there's volatility. You know, it goes up, down, sideways, backwards. It's 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 crazy how it, how it's working right now because there's a lot of people, and it depends on what side of the political fence you're on. You know, if if people who are ultra conservative and maybe Republican think the world's coming to an end because of the government that we have, well, reverse that two years ago, and you know, liberals thought the other way around, and we've survived both. Right. <laughs> so I still think um, mankind wins out. I think we put way too much emphasis on our political leaders. Uh, it's about us as people and, and managing our households and, and being good to others. Uh, so, but, but managing those emotions and behaviors, hundred percent is where an advisor comes into play. No doubt. So if you need a financial coach and advisor, Ryan is available to, uh, to meet with you. You can schedule your retirement coach 360 session online now by visiting blackoakam.com. It's time to open up the mailbag. All right, now time to get into the mailbag. Got a question for you, Ryan. It's a good one from a business owner. I know you work with business owners all the time, so mm-hmm. hopefully you'll be able to help out our good friend Ben here. He says, I've owned my own business for 20 years, and I'm thinking about retirement within the next three to four years. Am I better off to try and sell the business or retain ownership and hope my employees can run it effectively without me actually being there? Great. What a, what a great name, huh, Ben? That is a great uh. name. I love this guy. <laughs> Uh, that's, and so Ben, when you asked that question, it, it, I basically scratched out your name and put my name on there. Now I haven't been a business owner for 20 years, but I'm fast forwarding myself. I'm coming up on 44 years old. So if I put 20 years behind my age and now I'm 64 and looking to retire in the next three to four years, what would I do? Uh, so there's two schools of thought on this and especially in my world where advisors can retire and someone can buy the book of business by by a certain multiple and it depends on how profitable you are there's different multiples all over the place and it depends if you're assets under management person or an annuity person or so many different ways to to price that out but what I would do, if you have systems and processes put in place and you got good people who work for you, I'm not saying they can't buy in a little bit, but if you have a well-oiled machine and it only takes up a certain amount of time for you where you don't have to be in the office every single day or maybe hardly at all, maybe a couple of days a week just to show face, uh, why would you? That That is reoccurring income that you cannot replace. I mean, that is almost like a pension, if you will. And if it's taking not a lot of time, Ben, now again, Ben, I don't know where you're at uh, from a mental standpoint. If you're completely checked out, okay, maybe sell your business to see if someone within your company wants to buy it or or shop it outside and, and broker that out. But if you have a reoccurring model and it's not taking up a whole lot of your time, Man, keep keep that engine running, Ben. That's that's income that you just cannot replace. I know you may get a lump, big lump sum, but the other way is not guaranteed income, but it's pretty dang close to being guaranteed guaranteed income. So if I was in your situation twenty years from now, I wouldn't sell it. Uh, I would just keep it. And, and that kind of comes from my mentor, um, Dan Capril, who's kind of coached me through becoming a business owner. Uh, and that's what he preaches to us, really. He's like, why would you sell it? I'm not telling you not to, but why would you? 
if you've built this reoccurring revenue model and it doesn't require a ton of your time and you got the processes put in place, man, keep it going. Great stuff, Ben. Great question. And uh, congratulations on your long-term success with your business. Mm -hmm. If you ever have a question for us, please just log on. BlackOakAM.com is a website. You can contact us there. You can also click on that button right there at the front to get your uh, toolkit, how to defuse the ticking tax time bomb. Always something to be thinking about, especially as we close out the year. Tax planning is always important. But today it's all about overconfidence and uh, you humbled us, Ryan, with, uh, with your knowledge and your insight <laughs> and we do appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.